All right. Hey, everybody. It's Kelly. Welcome. For anybody who is new here and doesn't know what I'm talking about or what I'm doing, please type in the chat. I don't want to leave anybody in the dark. Um, but I'm super happy you're here and it's cold in the Pacific Northwest. So I'm bundled up. And all right, let's bring on Tulip. Love the name. What's Hi. Up? What's up, Tulip? Oh, I have had the worst two weeks of my young career. Oh. Um, and I was like, man, this is the beginning. What happens during the rest of the next 30 years? Well, yeah, it's just supposed to get easier, right? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, That's yeah. what they say. Um, we, were so, sold, we were sold a box of lies. Well, you know what? Nobody would do it if you knew the truth. <laughs> That's true. Um, and I think the whenever, same thing about about uh, childbirth. <laughs> what about it? No, they don't tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. Like all the people, like, I'm a urologist, so like they never told you your vagina falls out. And I'm like, well, yeah, no. What What did you think was gonna happen? <laughs> what did you think was gonna happen? They didn't tell yeah. you you're gonna be in diapers forever. Well, you know. Um, although whenever anyone, like when I was younger and interested in medicine, if I, anyone tried to poo-poo it, I just thought they were like old and bitter. And now I was like, oh, am I that person now? Uh-oh. <laughs> old and um, bitter. The other term for that is wise, by the way. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fine. Wise. <laughs> um, so, All right. What's going on? Sorry to hear so you've had about, a crappy two weeks. Yeah. Thanks. So about two weeks ago, um, I did a case um, that it was the first time I've done it as an attending, but it's it's not easy, but it's like anyone who's graduated from like my specialties residency, you know, should be able to do that. And um, the case itself, I thought went well, took a while, um, definitely took me longer than I thought, but that's okay. Um, what I was not aware of during the case was that... Um, the patient, they weren't able to pass a Foley in the patient. Um, he's young, but he had a stricture. Nobody told me. And I did not find out until five days later, but our CRNA told me that he was tachycardic and clammy um, the entire case. I was told he was doing fine. Um, if I knew both of these things, the case would have gone a lot faster. Um, long story short, patient wakes up in PACU, looks like shit. I send him to the ER. He's in renal failure. Like how somebody has this, like, not routine, but like, you know, this surgery who's young and healthy and ends up in renal failure turned into like a whole big thing. The next day he had a complication from the surgery, which can happen. Um, my, it happened to my co-fellow the last time he did that surgery. I took care of it. Um, basically he's been kind of a medical mystery. Um, now a bunch of consultants have agreed with me that he probably has some like underlying metabolic disorder that was undiagnosed that, have, that has like come to light um, through all of this because he's had like several intra-op like anesthetic events. Um, but, you know, he's turning a corner. He's doing better. Um, you know, I'm doing my final surgery for him soon. Um, and I thought everything was going well. Um, over the weekend, the chief medical officer of the hospital called me and said, hey, you know, you may want to get a second opinion, just like another eye on things to protect yourself, you know, whatever. I got a second opinion. He said, listen, you did everything I would do. There's nothing else you could do. Great, right? We're all in agreement. We're trying to figure out what's going on with this guy. Um, I get called by the CMO again 
saying, oh, the chief quality officer and I need to meet with you. And I was like, all right, here we go. We're going to discuss, you know, this case again. Um, you know, this case is such a shit show. Fine. Um, you know, now that I have like confirmation from multiple consulting teams that this was not like a surgical issue. This is a medical issue. Um, and it turns out that they, it's not what they want to talk about. Um, during one of the cases, cause I've operated on him like five times in a week and a half. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm exhausted. I, the first week that this was all going on, I slept for seven hours and three days, like taking care of him, like going back to the ER to see him, taking him back and forth to the ER. Last weekend was supposed to be my weekend off. He starts like bleeding all of a sudden, you know, Friday night was spent in the OR. Um, so during one of the last two procedures, um, I guess the bovie got wrapped around um, him somehow. And, you know, somebody hit the button and it just like burned his skin, right? Which can happen accidentally. Um, and, you know, I didn't think anything of it because that can happen accidentally. I mean, I use loops when I operate, so I have a really limited field. So really, in my opinion, the scrub tech should move that away. But okay, it happened. It turns out someone reported the event and said that I burned the patient, um, you know, almost like, oh, well, she was like stepping on the pedal and didn't know and she burned the patient. And I was like, well, first of all, there's no pedal. And second of all, I didn't burn the patient. I heard the bogey go off, but like I wasn't, you know, that wasn't me. So they said, you know, somebody reported you and we want to want you to know that with this case, um, there's been a lot of chatter. We understand that, you know, the staff doesn't always understand what's going on. But um, there's been a lot of questioning my decision making. Um, and now he basically told me, you know, we want to warn you, you have a target on your back um, where something as innocuous as a bovi, because I mean, I've never heard of anyone reporting that. I guess if you wanted to report it as like, hey, that happened, there's like a skin lesion, that's fine. But to lie and say, I did that, um, you know, I don't know where that's coming from. And he said, well, What's happening now is with this case, because it's been such a shit show, um, you know, the staff is talking, they're questioning your decision. So anything you do now, they're going to, you know, try to report you. So you have a target on your back. And I said, okay, well, what do I do with this information? What can I do? Because, um, you know, I've taken care of him the best I can. And a second opinion has backed me up. And everyone agrees that this is not surgical. This is just like a freak, hopefully once in a career like situation. Um, and he's like, oh, well, just keep chugging along. Um, just keep doing your thing. Be nice. And I was like, I already am nice. You know, I got written up the one time I yelled at someone. So now I don't yell at anybody. Um, but with the bovi, I think, I feel like I said, I can't remember. I think this may have been the case when he coded in the OR. where like, I'm just trying to work quickly, you know, like try to do my procedure, get the bleeding to stop and get out of there. So I'm like, you know, we had an intra-op cardiac arrest where everyone had to like jump in and code this guy. And then you're going to sit here and like report a bovi and blame the surgeon. Um, so I, you know, I obviously they can't tell me who reported it. Um, the only thing I know is there's been one circulator in particular who I've talked about here who kind of pretends to be your friend, but I think in the background who's going around and kind of causing these troubles. Um, because I noticed when it comes to setup, he will not listen to me. Um, I had a case where the setup takes about 30 minutes. The setup took three hours because he refused to listen to me, was undoing everything that I was trying to do, 
wouldn't do what I told him to do, was like doing generally unsafe things, um, wouldn't listen to me. But when the anesthesiologist came in, the male anesthesiologist and said, this doesn't look right. He's like, oh, what do you want us to do? And I said, I've already told you what we should be doing for the last like two hours. And I never ended up reporting it because I didn't want it to turn into like a tit for tat thing. Obviously, in retrospect, now I wish I did. But even after the code, we kept the patient on his like ICU bed. So I did the surgery like on the bed. I was trying to do what we can for the setup. He was getting upset that like I didn't want to set it up the way he wanted to. But I'm the surgeon like your setup doesn't work for me. Um, And I don't know for sure that this is him. But one of my friends used to be a surgeon in my specialty in this hospital. And I was talking to her recently. And word for word, he used to harass her about the same things that he harasses me for. Oh, everyone's getting scared because of your case times. Oh, this is taking long. He's made like several comments um, intra. Oh, like during my cases, like, oh, that got person, that case you did, you should never do that surgery again. And I'm like, that is so out of line. Um, and it's like, he's saying that while the scrub tech is saying, yeah, you did such a good job. I think you should have put it in a textbook. It looked perfect. Um, so I'm starting to feel like I've talked about this um, this before. Jess calls it the gossip OR. But I'm starting to feel very, very threatened here. And this is becoming like a very hostile place for me to work. And what's happening is instead of me getting like more confident, more efficient with my cases, I'm getting more like crazy about the micromanaging. My cases are taking longer and longer because I'm adding, you know, like um, I used to just irrigate with saline. Now I do like a separate thing of betadine with the saline, you know, whatever. It's like two minutes, but that means the case is two minutes longer because I've gotten so anxious and like so almost feeling threatened by everything that I, you know, the time it takes to control and micromanage everything adds to the cases. Um, You know, I've had like nurses blatantly break like sterility when they're prepping my case. So instead of like me scrubbing while they're prepping and getting the case going, I have to sit there and watch them prep. Because when I tell them you broke sterility, they give me a lot of pushback, a lot of attitude. Um, And this is obviously not a fact, but I almost feel like they're trying to sabotage me so the patient has a bad outcome and then they can blame it on me. Um, And, you know, I kind of brought some of this stuff up to the CMO, like, hey, listen, the same thing happened to my friend, like by the same circulator, they've been like really uncooperative. Um, And I didn't even think about later that, hey, like I wear, I use loops and I have like a very limited field. So if there's like some sharp object or some bovie or something that shouldn't be around. Like, I can't see that. That's like the scrub text job to get it out of the way. Um, And so now I feel like, okay, I've already been anxious about my cases. I'm obviously like, you know, very anxious about this guy and his outcome and what's going to happen in the future and my liability. But on top of that, I have to sit here and worry about the staff reporting me for every little thing that's that, you know, normally would not be considered a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my partners are not supportive at all. Um, it's not like a very supportive work environment either. So there's not really anyone trusted I can go to that has my back to say like, all right, what do I do here? Like, um, is it worth it for me to, um, cause I have like a list of patients in my head, like cases in my head where they delayed it. They didn't have the setup, you know, the break in sterility, um, to report. So 
I'm going to go and, you know, does it make sense for me to go and do all these reports online? Is anyone going to do anything differently? Um, there was like a major, major delay in the OR hour and a half um, due to a Y connector for a VAC. Um, I guess nobody knew what I was talking about. And when I went to tell the charge nurse, like how inappropriate that was, she's like, she's the OR director. Um, you know, she could care less, you know, cause I was like, you know, we were in the OR for so long. They had plenty of time to tell me that this was not the right equipment. I could have easily worked around it. Um, but it's kind of like, oh yeah, whatever. So it's like, you know, on one hand I feel, okay, they're saying I have this target. Everyone's on me. Nobody understands, right? The OR staff does not actually understand, um, his like underlying medical condition. Even when I try to explain it to them, they're like, going around spreading all these rumors that are not true. But then I have to keep such a close eye on them all the time to make sure that they're doing their job and not trying to sabotage things that it's just becoming exhausting to do anything here. Um, and unfortunately, because of just, you know, my group situation with our surgery center, I do most of my cases in this hospital, like 70 to 80% of cases. Mm -hmm. Um, <sighs> Good on you for taking care of this guy. Honestly, it's, Kelly, I wish that I never on. did this case. I wish he went somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the wisdom that like you only get by shit happening sometimes. And it's a, I know I'm going to be a crappy in way to collection. get wiser. But. Well, you know, I'm going to be in boards collection soon. I already told my partners. I was like, do not send me any of these. Like, I'm going to do just like as much straightforward stuff as I can. We can revisit this later. Yeah, right. Um, are you able to get just thoughts on, on mm -hmm. your story? Are you able to get data from the OR manager to say, I want to look at my case delay starts and breaks in sterility compared to other cases to see where my cases land? Can you collect any data? Do they have any data on that you can get? I don't think so because I don't report it, right? Like this is, and this happened to me, my old job too. To me, like when I was in training, only the nurses wrote each other up. So to me, writing people up is like a nurse thing. It's not a doctor thing. So I never think like, oh, I should write this person up. Like, oh, I should report it to the manager. I try to address it intra-op, but yeah. then I don't do anything with it after. So aside from what I'm going to file with them now, I don't think they have any data on this. But like, do you think that like the sterile processing department has data on what cases have to get repulled or anything? Oh, no, no. Um, It's not an issue with that. It's not like sterile equipment. It's this, the, this one circulator in particular, when she is prepping, like scrubbing the patient, she is constantly breaking the sterile field. And I know she knows what she's doing because she like is good with the rest of the case. Um, okay. so but when I correct her and say, yeah, when I on. correct her and say like, you know, you touch that part, you're not sterile anymore. That's when, you know, it becomes a problem. Um, are you able to talk to anybody, the CMO or the, the OR manager or anything about your concerns about a hostile work environment? You know, um, so the meeting today was only about 15 minutes or so because the chief quality officer had to go to another meeting. So they kind of cut it short. I'm getting my thoughts together to, um, talk to the chief medical officer. I didn't really think about, you know, the term, cause I feel like people throw around the word hostile, the term hostile work environment all the time. People throw around the term it. gender bias all the time. And I'm like, well, yeah. until it's not a problem, here we are. 
Yeah. Um, so I didn't think about it until I came home, although I did talk to him about the the subconscious bias. And I have talked to the OR manager about this saying like, you know, if I was a male surgeon, I know for a fact that this would not happen. Um, you know, they wouldn't be reporting this because there's actually a male surgeon there who does like these really big, crazy, complex cases and everybody loves him. I've never heard one bad thing. I don't think they harass him. And so when I bring this up, the OR manager said, we have so many female surgeons. I don't think they feel the same way. Well, guess what? My friend was a female surgeon and she left and she felt the same way. And when I told the chief medical officer, he's like, our COO is a female. And I was like, or CEO. I was like, literally nobody cares about the CEO. I didn't even know who she was until the Christmas party. So I was like, you know, that's not relevant. (laughs) Right. Yeah, Um, totally. I mean, and again, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm like, if you can, to protect yourself as far as like, Hey, I'm, I'm concerned about this being a hostile work environment. Let's have that documented Mm -hmm. because anything else that comes after that is retaliation. Okay. And, uh, and again, I am not a lawyer, but I'm just thinking like, you have to keep chugging along, but at some point document this if it, if it ever, you know, goes to anything. And, and I think you're well within your rights to say, I don't want to work with a scrub person anymore. I, I have concerns. I request not to work with a scrub person. Yeah. Um, so what the CMO did tell me, cause I did say, Hey, I have like a whole list of things to report. I just haven't done it. Um, he did say, just so you know, because they've reported you, anything you report can be in retaliation. And I said, well, I don't know who reported me, so it can't be retaliation because I may not be reporting them back. That's right. Um, but I'm even feeling it like I usually get along with the anesthesiologists really well. And then like over this case, I'm starting to feel a lot of tension and a lot of pushback from them as well. Like I moved him from Sunday morning to like Saturday afternoon urgently because I didn't like how his labs were. The anesthesiologist was like giving me pushback. Why do I need to do this? And then there was like a big miscommunication um, about the start time. Um, I thought he was going to tell the OR. He thought I was going to tell the OR. It's okay. You know, accident, it happens. We were both, you know, trying to coordinate. Um, And he says to me at the end of the case, loudly reprimands me in front of this circulator who's problematic, like reprimands me for not telling the OR myself. And he's not like some old crotchety surgeon and I'm like anesthesiologist. I'm some young surgeon. I think he's actually younger than me. Um, So now I'm starting to feel, you know, almost like ganged up on where these anesthesiologists who never, ever, ever gave me a problem are like, starting to make comments to me and like, just give me a lot of pushback when they never used to. And, um, I know I had done a session with you before where I got a word like the peer review and it was like, Oh, well, who cares who sent, you know, requested a peer review of your case. It doesn't really matter, but now I feel like I need to know so I can somehow get away from these people. Maybe. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Maybe. I, I mean, I th- the other thing I'd pay attention to is like, it's a super stressful week with this going on. And like, mm-hmm. your brain is like fried and looking for a bunch of evidence right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And just being aware of like, dude, my brain just is looking for all, all, everything that's against me at this point. And like, take the brain with a little bit of like grace on it of like, 
I need to, we need to let this blow over for a little bit, get some rest, look for evidence that not everybody's against me. Right. Because you're, we're in this like stress cycle of like, everybody's got, I've got a target on my back. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, if we go around thinking that then <clears throat> our brain's like, you want evidence? Dunk, 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 dunk. Yeah. I mean, I guess the thing with the anesthesiologist, like I did notice that Saturday and I thought to myself, okay, well, what I'll do is next time I'll see him, I'll just say, Hey, listen, if you need to talk to me, just like tell me one-on-one or text me. Um, I just haven't seen him since then. Mm-hmm. And even the circulator, when he started making comments again, where, when did I last work with him? Oh yeah. After the patient coded, like not the right time making comments of like, Oh, you should never do such and such surgery again. I was going to, you know, maybe have a discussion with him or at least talk to the OR manager and say like, you're completely out of line. Like you're going to stop speaking like that in my room. And I was like, okay, whenever I get to it, I'll get to it. You know, it's not like it, it's happened more than one time. But then when I got everything today of like, Hey, they're kind of after you. I'm like, okay, well now I need to fight back. So I've sort of been trying to let it ride for all these months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and be, and like, I wouldn't confront that person alone. Like all this, yeah. like, don't do it. Don't and do any of this alone. Always have right. a witness. Yeah. So it's never they, they versus they. Yeah. Um, just things to think about in the future. Yeah. Like protecting yourself. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this might be a, a hostile work environment. Right. And then it's like, how do you protect yourself? And at the same time, like watch your brain. Cause it's like, Maybe not everybody's out to get you, but your brain doesn't trust that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I certainly think it's definitely one or two people. I don't think so. We have our own subspecialty OR, which is very nice, right? Like I always get staff that somewhat knows what they're doing. They may not always want to cooperate or they may not always have my equipment, but it's better than like, you know, I don't know, me, me getting a urology team who would have like no idea what I do. Um, but it's a very, very small team. We only have seven ORs. So it's like seven techs and seven like circulating nurses. Um, so I think it's like one or two for sure, but just how everything is kind of getting up to administration is concerning to me. Um, they, he actually told me to be careful about what I talk about in the OR Um, Because one of the PAs and I were talking about something with our group surgery center. And it went from the OR nurse to the unit manager to the OR manager up to the chief medical officer. And I was like, why do you care about my group surgery center? Um, But he's like, you know, you need to be really careful because now everything you're saying, they're misconstruing and they're like reporting it as a problem. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll be mute. Like, what do you want me to do? I mean, yeah, it's a good point of like, he's basically telling you that you're in a hostile work environment. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's interesting. (laughs) Um, And again, um, so my group is having significant financial problems. We they actually have closed our surgery center for a few weeks because we can't order surgical gowns because we are in collections um, with all like the major suppliers. Um, and then the other hospital I go to, which is very physician friendly is like booked solid. Even though I take call there, there's like no opportunity to get any block time. So the only way I can do my cases and the only way I can get my cases for boards is to stay in this like very hostile hospital for now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, to to me, I'd be like, 
maybe meet with that guy again and be like, we need to come up with a plan so I can, sur- I need to survive here. I'd like a plan. I'd like it all doc. I'd like it documented. Okay. I, I would just, I would just think like at this point, it's like taking care of yourself and protecting. Yeah. Yourself. Okay. And I'm trying so to, you know, to continue to be like as good of a team player as you can, right? So no, like yeah. So nobody can fault you of like being anything but trying to be a team player. You know, I mean, um, I feel like I do that right, especially after I got like written up for yelling at that nurse. Um. And everyone says like, oh, yeah, you have a reputation for being nice. So I'm just like, I don't know what else I could do if they're going to sit there and misconstrue like everything I'm doing, um, you know, with some bad intention. Like, what am I like? I don't know that I can do anything else about that. But I do know that from April to October, I need to survive there so I can take my boards. Um, Now, what I'm. Now, what I'm not going to do is I already told my partners, like, I'm pausing the really, really big cases. Um, You know, somebody else in town can do those. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that'll make things a little bit better. But I do small cases there, too. And, like, no one acknowledges that the small cases go fast. They're all just, like, focused on the, you know, big, bad cases. Well, yeah, that's the negativity bias (laughs) in healthcare, though. Yeah. And in life. Yeah. Um, 300 cases that went well. I mean... That's nice. But then yeah. you have one shit storm and you're like, eh. but like, that's, a, that's the way surgery is. There's shit storms. Right. Truly it is like, you know, and, and inevitably nobody cares about as much about this patient as you, cause you're the one who is doing it. Right. Oh and yeah. People don't, people don't understand. Like people don't understand like th- that there's a code going on. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you're, I'm so stoked that there's only a bovie injury. This is fantastic news. <laughs> you know, I was actually like in the locker room when they called a code blue and I was like, God, please not my room. And then I heard the room and I was like, F, like how, how can anything get any worse here? Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course the patient's doing amazing. And I was like, did you have to do that, dude? Like, did you have to code and drop? You look so good now. Like, <laughs> right. Um, That's a crazy week, man. I know it's been it's been really awful. Um, Are you, can you get some rest coming up? I hope so. I mean, like I said, the last two weekends I was supposed to be off. Um, and you know, because in my group we don't cover each other, you're kind of solo. It's just been me. Um, so I'm doing what should be my final part for now on Friday. But there's another surgeon who's also operating, so I think he's going to get all the phone calls this weekend <laughs> um, because any calls I think would be for his part. Um, so I hope that I can get some rest. Um, but, you know, I just want to, I guess, try to figure out how to feel less threatened and I guess come up with a game plan. Cause I'm going to be there, you know, next week doing more elective cases. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the thing of like, as much as you can, your brain's going to take all of your brain wants to take all of this to the next day. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as much as you can be like, this is a new day, which starts right now. And don't take, don't as much as you can, don't take that past with you because it will fog the lens of your interactions. I mean, even if it has happened repeatedly in particular with like one person, yeah, I think that's where it's like, dude, you 
as much as you can be like, I'm, I'm a team player. I'm here to be a team player. But at the end of the day, like we need to document a game plan. Can you ask to not work with that person? You know, all that stuff. Yeah. Like, okay. You don't want to give them any reason to like even think you're pissed or miffed or sad or anything. It's like, oh, that is like. You're How do you do that when, like, you know, they delay you intra-op for an hour and a half? <laughs> yeah. I mean, then that's where it's like, why are you, Is your, why are your cases, that was the question I was asking about documenting. Mm-hmm. Like, is this just what the hospital does? They just do this? Or is this like, why is this happening with your cases? And be like, have management look into that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, cause yeah, cause I mean, I'm really good at communicating with them with equipment. Like we send them lists of everything the week before I text call or email with like anything beforehand. And then I always try to, you know, even the day of like touch base and let them know if I need anything else. And yet this like still continues to happen. Yeah. I mean, and that could be a management question of like, I'm just curious, is this, you know, these are, this is what I do. Is this how it is in, in all specialties? Or what do you think is going on? And almost in like, you know, you're not going to confront them at this point. This You're going to ask the management. Yeah. Because um, some of the stuff has been, you know, like good staff who I've always gotten along with. And like you said, maybe negativity bias. Maybe they were having a bad day. Um, but I was like, mm, this just doesn't feel the way it used to anymore. So I feel like it's very hard to sort of be confident when instead of operating for myself and the patient, I feel like I'm operating for everybody else in the room. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, totally. And I think that's super easy to get into that. But, but I I mean, at the end of the day with the coaching brain is like, where does confidence come from? Confidence is a feeling. Or does it come from from your thought? Um, Well, you know, it's like in the summertime, I was feeling so good because things had gotten better. Um, And then I think, you know, whatever, they've like deteriorated. and It just like is such a hit to the confidence, Um, especially because if this is a crazy medical thing, it's like, of course, everybody blames the surgeon, even if it's not your fault. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, but I mean, remember, like, just go back to like 101s. Your circumstances don't create your feelings. Your thoughts do. Yeah. Um, right. And, you know, that's why I think part of the reason I would not pursue some of these issues is I'm just like, oh, okay, well, if you don't have a thought about it, it's fine. But now when they're starting to report me and now I've had to meet with the chief medical officer like three times in six months, I'm like, you know, that's not my thought anymore. That's like something that's actually happening. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I think you can do that. You can be like, I'm not going to, I'm going to choose to not let them shake me in the OR. Mm -hmm. My thought is, this is I'm here for the patient and to get the best care possible and what they think doesn't matter. Yeah. Whatever the thought is. Right. But at the same time, mm-hmm. be like something's happening in this institution that like I need to protect myself from and I need to start documenting stuff. Yeah. Like, like almost like it can be a yes. And right. Like I know that like our thoughts create our feelings and all, and all that stuff, which is supposed to empower us. Right. Cause we're like, Oh, yes. I get to choose. Yeah. It doesn't mean don't protect yourself, don't have another meeting, don't document stuff, don't ask the management for help, right? Like you still get to do all those things and at the same time be like, I'm not going to let my thoughts shake my confidence right now because of what is happening. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's a combination of everything. You know, I'm obviously like scared long term what this patient's going to do, like liability wise. So just having like all this stuff with the staff too. I'm like, oh, can everybody just leave me alone and can he go home now? Yeah, right. Yeah. Totally. Um, just yeah. pay attention to your brain. Like when you pay attention, when your brain wants to go to the future, which is unknown, or the past, which is shitty, realize like you have the power to be like, the present moment's okay. Everything's okay right now and the patient's okay right now. Yeah, that's what I'm telling myself is like, if he does something in the future, I can't control it. Can't um, control it. It's be- like worrying yeah. does not add anything to yeah. these scenarios. And like right it's- now, things are okay. His family gave me chocolates for Valentine's Day, so maybe they don't hate me. <laughs> there, evidence that not everybody hates you. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay, good. That'll help my tired brain. All right. Well, I will definitely um, at least start documenting this and putting in all those reports and stuff. Oh, I mean, again, like I'm only here listening and like I have, you know, a decade of wisdom of having done yes. this stuff for a while. So it's like I, I never wanted anybody to think I'm the one who knows, but but I've seen it happen enough of like, they're documenting stuff, document stuff. Like, yeah, I know. It's like, be like, things. like, I need to yeah. make it work here. I need your help. Can we come up with a plan? Can we document it? Yeah. Like, they I've, actually, really- they actually have this QR code for the surgeons on every door where um you can say how your case went. And I guess they started this like after the new year as an initiative to see how cases are going. So I guess that means other people are complaining too. Um, or other surgeons are complaining too, but it's like, honestly, with my cases getting so delayed, like I start my elective cases at like eight or 9 PM there, who has the energy to go back and fill out that form and says, you didn't have my equipment for an hour and a half. I would start doing it before the case. I'd be like, he's starting at 8 PM. (laughs) Oh, that, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that one and a half hour delay ended up led me to not start my last case until 8 30 at night. So and, you know, and then obviously I understand at nighttime, everyone is stressed. So I feel like I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, but then no one's giving me the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Well, nobody has the, not everybody has the power of being coached on their brains. <laughs> I'm like, can we not harass a surgeon who slept for seven hours in three days, please? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Totally. So. Um, All right. We're, well, we're, we're here for you. We, yeah. However this turns out. You're a good surgeon. You care about your patients. And this is literally how wisdom is gained, which is like the most painful truth ever. I know, right? It's like, you know, you don't know this. If, it's like the surgeons and like attendings and residency always said, like, ask me how I know. Right. We all, like, like, we all, our brains fun. are like, nobody else has any problems. Like, yeah. Okay, brain. I'm sure that's not yeah. true. Right. And, you know, like I try to tell people, I was not given very critical information during that first case that would have like changed how I did that case. So I did the best I could with what I had. And then this is the problem, which is like so shitty because it's like, obviously, you know, you're the surgeon, I get it. But everyone's like, well, it's your fault. And I'm like, well, I didn't know. Nobody told me. (laughs) That's the thing is you, we do the best we can with the info we have at the time. Yeah. And like, that is such a nice thought to come back on. Yeah. Like, had I known differently, I would have done different. Right. Um, And if I didn't care, I would not have worked the way I did for the last two weeks, like trying to care for him, pushing the primary teams to like 
look for, you know, an underlying cause and not just letting them poo poo everything. That's right. You know, not fighting with the anesthesiologist to let me operate on him a day earlier because he wasn't looking good. Mm-hmm. No. Totally. So, yeah. 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 All right. You got this. Okay. Keep Thank us posted. you. Totally. All right, thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. There's two other people on. We've got like 24 minutes. Anybody else want to come on and ask some stuff? Okay, I'm going to change your name. Rename. Hey, thank you. V-Day plus one. I like brain, it. Because my brain. <laughs> the other no. option is, is halfway through February. No, that's fantastic. I like it. Um, so my question is like a little, I think probably a little easier, but I'm a young surgeon. I'm a few months out from fellowship graduation. I've been at my current role for just about six months, actually, this week. Congratulations. Thanks. And I, I really do love it. Um, I'm at a small community hospital, but it, it's great. I mean, I love my colleagues. Um, we're a practice of two surgeons. So there's me and my boss, um, but he doesn't treat me like a severely junior colleague, you know, he's very respectful and very helpful. But um, the one thing is the way we run our practice, or it's really his practice, is kind of like from 1980. We have four staff and they're wonderful, all four of them. And I'm blessed to have that. But we kind of need more help. Like, So we have an office manager. Um, we have a woman who does a lot of the referrals and authorizations. We have a receptionist and a scheduler. And, um, I just like, it's hard for me to run my clinic because I'm doing everything else. So like, I literally go get the patients from the waiting room. I do my own vitals. I do the entire exam. I do all the documentation and send everything off to the rest of the staff. But it's like, it's hard for me to focus on the patients getting them in and out on time, making sure I know which patient to get out of the waiting room. Cause sometimes they show up out of order and then um just get like my charting done yeah and i don't know I'm, i really think if i had an ma even like just like on my full clinic day like one day a week it would really help me but i don't know how to convince my boss of this and i was talking to my husband about it and my husband's very helpful but he's coming from a straight like mba perspective where it's like oh, okay you know run numbers show it to another person but i don't even know how to run the numbers to show that like if i see two more patients in a clinic day or three more patients, you know, I'll be booking more cases and getting more stuff done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two roughly two more patients pays for an MA. Right. Probably That's, one and a half. Depending yeah. if you factor in that then their surgery. Um, yeah. Well, I think you can do this in multiple ways. Um, what do you think? I, I just don't know. Like what's the, I mean, I mentioned getting an MP between the two of us before, and he was all game for that. But um, I don't know if he was just saying that to kind of amuse me. I think he may have been. I mean, should I present numbers to him or like what's kind of the best way to argue for this? And then the other thing is, I'm sure some of the other people on the call like have this problem, too. How do I even find these people? Because it's just where I live. It's I mean, we have some talent, but. It's not, well, I'm not in a major, major city. I'm about an hour away from a major city. Mm -hmm. I just don't even know where to find people. 
Um, people are a lot, and other people can type in where they find people, but Indeed is like the big website now. Yeah. You can just go on Indeed and throw okay. up an ad. And then you can yeah. search around you to like see what the the pay range is. Okay. You can probably all find that on Indeed. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's multiple ways to do this. You could even ask them, this is what I want to do. What do you need so I can get a yes? Do you need numbers? Do you need? Okay. Yeah, you, like you, that. You can just ask good. them. Yeah, because I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to even pay for it because I think, you know, I'll be able to recoup the cost in a matter of months. And honestly, I'm happy to take the pay cut in the short term because my life and my sanity will be better. That, like, that's that's so, you know, I mean, that's like, you know, you can make the dollar argument. You can make the quality of life decreasing burnout argument. Yeah. You, like you can do this multiple different ways. All right. Yeah, uh, I'm going to try. And I think this week was kind of really like brought it to my attention because one of our staff members is out um, sick. She got COVID last week and then she got better, but her kid got COVID. And then um, our other, our surgical scheduler is out for uh, taking part of her vacation. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's just like mayhem with two surgeons and only two people in the office trying to like hold down the fortress. Yeah. And the, I mean, the other thing you can do if, if you're a data person, you, and you, again, you don't have to do this, but you can go on, you can go online to like, I would just start with Google basically, but you can Google how many staff per physician ratios. Yeah. And, you know, via surgeon or via primary care. And it is three to usually three to four staff per surgeon. Oh, so we're basically running on just his staff. I mean, you're, you're, yeah, you're way understaffed. Yeah. Yeah. And our staff are getting like understandably grumpy at times. And I'm like, if I had an MA, I mean, they don't even have to be, you know, the brightest crayon in the box. They can help, you know, if I'm done, they can help answer the phone or just kind of help with goofy errands around the office and, you know, oh, give everyone a little break. They can go get you coffee. Like they can. I know. Oh my God. That would be so amazing. The worst is when like I have a, a headache or something and I have like eight patients in a row and there's just, like no coffee and no snacks. I get so grumpy. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so silly. I'm making like a reasonable earning, like wage here like you know yeah. salary and i have a good title why why can't i get a granola bar <laughs> yeah totally yeah i mean i think like it's a it's a financial decision but it's even it's even just like a burnout quality of life like you can only run good staff so hard before yeah. they'll quit yeah i'm worried about that i don't think our office manager is going anywhere but um and our receptionist probably won't but one of our other staff, I'm like, this woman has skills. And if she wants to leave, she will be able to find a job in about 25 minutes. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And um, then you're like, and then you're like, I should have hired back, but when I still had four people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So okay. Um, Tulip, right, gonna... Tulip says in the QA, indeed.com, zip recruiter, community college with MA programs. Oh yeah, I have a community college nearby. I'll, I'll check that out. That's a good idea. There you go. All right, cool. Hopefully problem solved. This group is so awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. I didn't even think about going on Indeed. I was like trying to figure out how to reach out to people at the, you know, and, but we don't have like a lot of students. It's a small hospital. So. Yep. Yeah. All right. You, you awesome. got this. I, it's, this is inevitable. You just got to figure out the how. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I get three more patients in the day and they help me like enter some orders or like type up a plan and, or enter vitals for me, I mean, like they will make my day so much better. Yep. You guys want to hear something? Maybe you already know this. You know, you don't need vitals to bill for your uh, visit. That's good. 
because you most of the time I don't have them. <laughs> this is the new coding rules. Like you need to do a physical exam as medically necessary. Oh, but I think fantastic. it's something I think even for doctors be like, what? No vitals. It's like starting a sentence without a noun or something like, yeah. <laughs> right? like you're like, I can't. But like realistically, when we have 3.5% unemployment and healthcare strapped, you start saying like, do I need vitals on a med refill? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And like I get on my post-ops at the first visit, but if they've been going to PT two times a week and they walk into my office, you know, and they're not huffing and puffing and they don't have a fever, I'm really not too worried about them. Yeah. But like, those are the things we're thinking about. Cause we're like, we've got, we're strapped for MAs. You mm-hmm. don't need it to bill anymore. Right. The physical exam is medically necessary is what, you know, legally and, and to bill you need. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do we actually need to get Vital signs on a Viagra refill? Like, no. Right, right, right. Oh, that's Here for an erections. He has, he has enough energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, if I have like my micro patient, they come in like a three months post-op, you know, if they're in their thirties, they probably don't need vitals. You know, their question is like, can I go back to surfing now? No, like it's not right. a question of, you know. Well, let's check your respirations first. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's a, it's a bizarre, that. like, you know, we got to use our resources wisely. Yeah. I, and- I actually, like, I have an exam room at an office and the patients meet me in the office. And so what I've started doing is doing the vitals, like right before I do the rest of the exam, just so I can chart them on my computer right there. Cause otherwise I'm like, why am I an attending surgeon going back to a piece of paper with scribbled vitals on it? <laughs> like, this right. is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, again, being able to work at the top of your license. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like... working at the top and the bottom. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely working at the top sometimes, but. Oh, that's awesome. You'll get it. Life will be, life will be better. All right. Awesome. I feel better now. Thank awesome. You. Thanks. Thanks for showing up. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Lower hand. Let's see if our one other surgeon wants to come on today. Raise your hand if you do. Otherwise, we'll let everybody else have a quiet night. You good there, attendee? I don't leave you hanging if you want me. But. We will. I think I'm done with you guys till March. So I'll see you guys in March. Thanks so much for being here. You rock. You're good surgeons. Thanks for showing up every day. We will see you in March.